Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. It's Caroline from G-Thanks Just Bought It, reminding you that in between episodes, you can find me on Instagram at G-Thanks Just Bought It Pod. You can find products that don't make it onto the episodes and recommendations from listeners like you. So before you start this episode, give it a follow and say hi in the comments. And for a full list of every product we featured on G-Thanks, visit gthanksjustboughtit.com slash episodes. See you there. Hey everyone, welcome to another week of G Thanks Just Bought It, the podcast where we talk about what we just bought and what you might need to be, to buy next. I'm your host Caroline Moss, and today I am joined by Patrice Peck. She is my BuzzFeed colleague. We don't we both don't work there anymore, uh, and she is a freelance um, writer, and she focuses a lot about race and culture. And she's had bylines in the New York Times, and most recently, she started kind of at the beginning of the whole you know pandemic that we're going through a newsletter called Coronavirus News for Black Folks because she preempted a huge need for reporting that was going to be specific for the black community who is disproportionately affected um, by coronavirus and yet is not those stories and that information is not being seen in like the wide mass media that we all consume every day. So she is doing this work um, and and really calling uh, attention to it. And so I said, Patrice, you need to come on the show and she said, okay. And now, Patrice, you're here. I'm here. Yay. I'm so happy <laughs> you're here. Thank you for coming. Of course. Thanks for having me. You are um, writing a newsletter that, as a Black woman, must be taking a huge emotional toll every time you sit down to work. Mm-hmm. What- that is correct. That is why <laughs> sometimes I take breaks, including the past, I think, one or two weeks. I just did not have the time or the bandwidth to, um, you know, compile the newsletter, which part, I always feel guilty when I'm not doing one of the many things I feel like I should be doing, which I'm trying to work on, Mm -hmm. you know, with my therapist, (laughs) but especially in terms of, you know, uh, stopping the should statement. But anyway, um, it, you know, part, part of me was proud of myself for, you know, letting myself step away and take a break. But another part of me felt bad because, you know, the, the cases and, and the, the cases are rising again. Right. Yep. We're not, I, I don't even want to say again, but the first wave has not ended. Yeah. Um, a lot of st- all, almost every state I think reopened. Um, and I think that gave the people, people the impression that coronavirus um, sort of has, you know, the curve has been flattened or things are, you know, getting significantly better when that's clearly not the case as we see all these, yeah, you know, rising cases in all these different states, particularly some some southern states. But 
you know, I felt bad. I'm like, I hope people don't think it's all good now, especially because they haven't gotten a newsletter and like from me in two weeks. But that's because I was, you know, I was doing a lot of things yeah. and didn't want to overextend myself. But yeah, I mean, I'm about to publish one this week. That's awesome. I'm 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 happy to hear that you are taking breaks and taking care of yourself. Um, what sucks about the job that you're doing, I assume, is just that like, you know, it is so important that this kind of like leadership and in the, in the the thought leadership and like these newsletters are coming from black reporters um, because we all know that objectivity in journalism is like a farce. Like we, Mm. we all have, have biases. We all have connections. We all have stories. We all have lives. Like it's impossible to kind of approach our journalism and the things that we care about and like shed Mm -hmm. all of that. So like, it's important to feel that passion about like the subject that you're writing on, but then just the mental and emotional toll of having to like, look at that news, parse that news out, present that news over and over and over again. Like you one to two week break. I feel like you need like a six month sabbatical away you need to be one of those people that That comes out of the woods in six months and has no idea like what what's happening you know what I mean like oh like Like, wait wasn't there there was a celebrity yeah there was also a guy that like literally emerged like in April and he like they were like you don't even know that like Kobe Bryant said it's like Kobe Bryant is like the first thing you need to know about in April and we have a a lot more to cover but like yeah I feel like you need to do one of those things where it's like just in a room with a candle for six months, just meditating. Listen, I, I totally agree. It's funny because um, I've been working on this article and I think it might come out, um, uh, you know, by the time this uh, nice. episode comes out. Fantastic. But it, yeah, it's an article just looking at the ways that Black journalists are practicing like wellness and self-care now and also like, protecting their mental and caring for their mental health you know Mm -hmm. in light of just sort of this double exposure to some of the things that they're reporting on you know particularly black journalists who are reporting on like the um, police brutality and the coronavirus disparity and you know the epidemic of anti-black transgender violence and all of that you know in terms of reporting on it and getting indirect exposure to racism that way, but then also like being within these companies that as all these, you know, headlines have shown that are facing their own reckonings of racism. And then also just being a part of the community that's being disproportionately impacted by the same things that they're reporting on, yeah. you know, cause they're humans too at the end of the day. So I'm looking at the ways that like, you know, how, how are, me and how how are my peers sort of you know combating that Mm -hmm. and and protecting themselves right because we they have to care for their own lives you know in order to report about the mattering of other black lives um and it's funny you mentioned about us a sabbatical because one of the journalists who i spoke with um i mentioned her sort of experience in the piece she actually had a flare-up of um a psychological disorder that she believes she developed from being a journalist mm. and just the, the craziness of the industry. Um, and she was like, well, I think black journalists should have paid like sabbaticals every six months, you know, as a part of like reparations. And that'll help us sort of recover from some of these stories that we report on. And 
I was like, yeah, that would be great. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. That that would be so incredibly invaluable. And not just like as a form of reparations, but just in order to get better, in, in order to get good work, you have to be mm-hmm. able to take care of the people who are doing the work. And we're all not, we're not machines. Um, and, you know, as somebody who was has been a white person in a lot of overwhelmingly white newsrooms, I will say that Patrice does a lot of work to sort of call attention to the fact that a lot of times black journalists are only called when the like sad stories happen. Mm. And you you start getting emails from publications that have turned you down before or ignored your pitches. And now they want you to write about police brutality. And it's like, that doesn't make anyone a, that doesn't that doesn't look very thoughtful um, mm-hmm. coming from like an editor perspective. But also like that's a that 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 kind of like action says a lot about the worth that we put on, you know, the the like work of black journalists. Have you seen any of this work start to sort of grind away at these systems that that you that you fight against in your work? Um. Hmm. I haven't seen any direct change. I do know that, like, the essay I wrote titled Black Journalists Are Exhausted is an op-ed I wrote for that was published in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Um, and that garnered a ton of responses from people, like, all over the world. So I think, wow. and then that, you know, led to me being asked to um, speak on, like, different panels and podcasts and do some like interviews and stuff media interviews and you know I think that always helps to spark discussions at least just talking about something or like you know uh, being transparent about it Um, so I think in that aspect it definitely helped to spark you know a a conversation that might lead to a potential you know action Mm -hmm. change yeah, I, I mean, it sounds great. You, you were just telling me you had you agreed to do a panel for London without realizing that there's an eight hour time difference between. Because right, I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'll figure it. Let me just say yes to everything, and then I like try to figure it out later. Yeah. I'm like I hope they don't overlap. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like the biggest problem I had when I moved to LA was like figuring out time zones and the Google calendar. Cause like, I think my computer thought I was still in New York, but I knew I was in oh. LA. So like, I don't know what I was scheduling for myself, but yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's amazing that like people I think, I feel, I, I really hope, but I really feel like people are like waking up to this now. And, and in news, I think that this has always been sort of a topic du jour, but like in every industry, I think people are looking around and being like, huh, like people this, are ashamed. Yeah. That's what it is. Shame. They're being shamed publicly because these conversations, I have been at the table yes. in the room. Yes. We have literally said these exact same things that we are saying now. And all of a sudden we hear you. We're listening. It's like, and I and I did a Twitter thread about this where it's like that it has a gaslighting effect when you don't apologize for the thing that you are now saying you're gonna do like there's no acknowledgement of of the previous mistreatment and Mm. racism and oppression and now all of a sudden to just present it like I I was saying that's damaging you know yes and 
it, it, it has an effect of gaslighting. And someone was like, oh, that's called love bombing, right? <laughs> when your abuser um, is just all of us overnight, like affectionate to yeah. you, means sort of, you know, in re in re in response to their previous abuse right and and you know that's not addressing or, or resolving the the abuse um and so i'm just like yeah there this is just all happening because of shame because i can't tell you i was at i would be in meetings at buzzfeed where you know black, black myself and other black and brown journalists would ha- would do presentations on how to cr- you know create more diverse content or have your content be more diverse in terms of like you know if it's a buzzfeed list of like dope beauty bloggers it's a matter of okay making sure every person on here isn't white making sure you know you have a range of skin complexion and and you know body type mm-hmm. and you know ability and this and that yep. and gender you know all representation uh, yeah yeah and we have questions like we don't know where to like find these photos or how do we search for people or, and now all of a sudden oh at, now with all these reckonings i'm seeing lists like uh, like 50 black owned businesses to shop for it's like oh so now all of a sudden y'all know how to find those black yeah. owned businesses <laughs> you all know don't how to act Google. dumb like right. that is my one thing we yeah i'm not we aren't dumb. Don't black journalists aren't dumb. Black people aren't dumb. We see what is happening. Let's just keep it one hundred and real. Say y'all were not interested in in that before. Now y'all being shamed because you know right. now it's coming to now more black people are speaking out and there's white people who are also in agreement with us, which is the key thing. And you know now change is happening and let's just be real. Yeah. Yes. That's such a good point that these conversations have been happening forever, but now it's trendy to listen to mm. them. Um, and and people are always motiva- motivated by shame, uh, which <laughs> which which also kind of sucks because like there are pe- there are people who who should have been shamed for a very long time. Um, mm. this, the shame isn't isn't new here. If you were to go on a sabbatical, where would you go? Mm. Well girl where are we going now we gotta be in the house <laughs> the other room the living room right. <laughs> i'm gonna go take a bath <laughs> i guess maybe in the alternate universe where we are able to get on planes mm-hmm. where would you go well it's interesting like my partner and i we've been talking about just because he's a writer too but he's a tv writer mm. um and we're also we're just both very like we're huge self-critics and we're like perfectionists and like type a which for me i'm like he's a type a where it's like it kind of fits all the boxes like he's so organized and he's great at time management and all that stuff and me i'm like a type a perfectionist without any of that which i feel like (laughs) worsens it so you're like like, adult add like (laughs) me you're like it's like seven things going at once and you're just like (laughs) okay i i feel that so much Right. I'm like, these have to happen. Right. And they will happen, but maybe not in the most like efficient way, which is fine. <laughs> All roads lead to the end. Okay, I get it. <laughs> but um but I say that to say like we've just been like, man, we need to like get away out of this house and just go do something, which you know, we're also been very mindful of, you know, the the of the importance of staying at home and sheltering in place mm-hmm. and not and trying not to spread it. We're most concerned with like 
you know, the potential of us being asymptomatic and spreading coronavirus rather than like us getting it, which is very much like, yes, also a big concern because young people are getting it, especially young people of color. And he's Chinese. Um, so we're both people of color. But yeah, but we're also still like we kind of want to be, be out the house. And even though like, you know, I understand that's a privilege right now and it's mm-hmm. a privilege to even just be in a space that has like a bedroom separate from the living room and has like a little porch outdoor space. Mm. Um but we we've been looking at you know what what it's gonna look like maybe if we go to someplace near a water ideally yeah <laughs> or maybe that has a pool just so nice. we can be outside of this space that has become work and home and everything for the past couple yes. months yeah it is it we're definitely entering that period I think where you and I were talking about this briefly earlier but like it's hard because everyone's gotten a little bit of it with the reopening even though there's been a lot of reclosing a little taste of freedom you know what I mean like everyone's gotten like a little smidge of like oh I hung out with my friend in the park and like I want more of that um but I think that we all have to sort of figure out I mean it sucks because yeah I think the thing that I'm the most worried about too is what if I have it and what if I'm giving it to somebody and I'm not super worried about getting sick I'm worried about the people who like can't stay home or you know whose housing conditions aren't um, the safest or the mm-hmm. most isolated and, and I don't want to contribute to that. And so, right. Yeah. There's so many different conversations about, you know, how can we safely, um, do something, you know, and put the least amount of people at risk. And also then is it, is that the risk that, like all these calculated risks that we have to take, <laughs> but the good thing about LA and you're here too, is like cars yeah. can be safe. Yeah. You're just in your little box. I would, I mean, mm-hmm. have you guys thought about like taking a little road trip and, and just, I don't know, isolating somewhere that is not your house currently? Yeah. Um, yeah. We've been looking up places, trying to find some like maybe rental mm. like accommodations or something. Um, I mean, we looked at Airbnb, even though, uh, you know, Airbnb also has a, annoyingly racist history too so we've been looking for like alternatives like black owned sort of airbnb alternatives but those don't necessarily the ones we came across don't necessarily have a lot of um search results especially like in areas we're interested in going to Uh and so then we're just like okay well maybe we should go on airbnb it's just all these things but um but yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna have to go someplace soon, just because like we haven't even really been like hanging out with friends or anything. Yeah, <laughs> partly because like our friends have like most of my my me personally my good friends are in New York City. Although I do have a f- I have a, I have a handful of good friends here mm-hmm. in LA, but um, yeah, I, it's honestly because me and Tension just have been like working a ton. Yeah, you just need um, like a sack. Yeah, I just I want to go someplace. Yeah, that has like a beach outside its doors. Right. And I don't know what that's gonna look like <laughs> and how much that's gonna cost. It's gonna be ridiculously expensive. <laughs> it might be worth it. <laughs> right. I'm just like, damn, because we're not going on no vacations anytime soon. Anyway. Right. I know. I I'm flying nowhere. I literally look at like my JetBlue travel point bank, being like, what a useless 
<laughs> collection of points that I will not use for years. Um, yeah, no, I totally get it. And also the other thing about freelancing that sucks, like the downside is that like you, if your house is also your office and also where you sleep and where you watch TV and where you eat dinner, there are days where you just work 17 hours and you don't even realize you're doing it. Yeah. You have to like, at least with the office, you can be like, I'm leaving. And that signals to my body that like a day is exactly. over. And then when you're freelancing, exactly. you're like, oh, is the sun down again? Okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, <Bye>. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Patrice is going to tell us what she brought to the podcast. Okay. We're back. Patrice, I know that you said that you've been shopping a lot of black. Well, I think you usually shop a lot of black owned businesses. Um, Mm -hmm. but this is, you've kind of increased that over the last couple of weeks. So I know that you said you wanted to bring some of those. Yes. So yeah, it's like online shopping. It makes me anxious. Just shopping over the years, I've become more anxious. I don't know if that's because it was like, I was shopping in New York and like in areas where I would work. So like Union Square, which is crazy. Yep. (laughs) Um, But also, I'm like petite, so in terms of clothes and shoes and all that, I like trying stuff on because usually things don't, the sizing will be off with stuff. So I just prefer to try things on in person, mm-hmm. but then I'll be too lazy to go out and buy stuff. But in terms of like products and things um, that aren't apparel, yeah, or, or t-shirts. I bought a lot of like pro-black statement t-shirts. Nice. I've been just collecting those over the years, but um. Yeah, I, it's weird. I haven't bought a ton, a ton, a ton of things during the pandemic, yeah. but um, yeah, there's been a few. Nice. I yeah, I feel like all of my shopping um habits obviously have changed. I keep every time I open the closet, I'm like, who are all, who do all these clothes belong to? I haven't worn like any of my clothes. Like I am in the same like. I don't have a lot of my clothes. I'm sad. Yeah, you, all your stuff's in New York. <laughs> I bet your room in New York is your room like is anyone renting out your room or like or is it just there? Well my cousin's staying there. Okay. She was living with she was renting a place with a couple and I was like, oh my gosh, girl, go stay at our place. Yeah. So you can be, you know, just you and not have to worry about come where other people are coming or going. But then B, you could also watch our place. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And you have a whole place to yourself. It's like nice. Yeah, it's a nice place. You're such a good cousin. Yeah. To my cousins out there listening, <laughs> I expect the same from you whenever I'm in your city. Um, no, I was going to say that would be like if someone wasn't there, it would be like a weird time capsule when you returned of like oh this, God. like a museum yeah. room of like the before times of the pandemic. Oh yeah, I feel like yeah. someone joked on Instagram the other day that like someone's like, oh, all my makeup thinks I'm dead or like my bras think I'm dead. <laughs> I haven't worn a bra in like a long time. Um, but yeah, shopping. I, the other thing about shopping, though, is that when I do buy stuff and I've been buying books and I've been buying um, things off of Etsy, like I have bought a lot of cute masks. Uh, mm-hmm. But I kind of like love when the mail comes. That's like the most exciting part of my day. that's true it's like the only thing I have to look forward to I feel like I'm an American girl doll like waiting by the window being like when will the mailman come um I'm like obsessively tracking my Etsy packages with masks and I'm like there's nothing exciting about that and yet it is amazing um the highlight of my day every also every Wednesday in my neighborhood at least is trash day so like on Tuesday we have to pull out the trash and I'm like oh another week pulling out the trash again crazy yeah that's how i feel with you know like i've like the ones that come out weekly mm-hmm. that's been 
I'm not even that mad because I'm like, okay, well, at least it gives me something. Like, I know this is happening next week. This is the only thing I know about next week. Yes, right. Concrete time and things to <laughs> my calendar. Also, like, I really, I, I don't know if this was you in the beginning because I know you're also super social, but like, I feel like everyone in the beginning, like in March and April, was like, Zooms, this, that, the other oh, thing. And yeah. I was like, mm, I don't know. So now I feel like I'm totally settled in the point where I know everyone's home, but also like no one's picking up their phone. <laughs> not just for me. I'm not picking up my phone for people either. Like we're like, we're okay. We're not talking right now. We're just, we're having quiet time. Um, yeah. Do you, do you keep all of your, have you done anything like from a self-care perspective with social media during the pandemic or do you sit and like, do you like read it? Or do you take it all in? It's interesting because I've been wanting to kind of just, I don't know. I always feel torn because people have said that, you know, they've been made aware of things through content that I post or, you know, they feel like something I post is empowering or inspires them to do something, Mm -hmm. um, you know, proactive. Um, But then on the other hand, that's time that I feel like is also taken away that could be used to maybe working on another article or pitching something or um yeah because again I I don't I don't manage stuff right super efficiently I feel mm-hmm. so I'll just be that means like okay I'm on Instagram I had an idea to post something so I'll post it and then I'll see other stuff and I'll repost that and then before I know it it's I've been dinner. on there for yeah <laughs> right I've been on there for a long time when it's like maybe if I had scheduled a time to dedicate to Instagram you know yeah during the day then it's like I could still have that impact but not have it just be sucking away randomly at Uh, my time yeah so yeah like scheduling scheduling out my day is something that my therapist keeps suggesting and I'm Mm. like yeah because I've done it in the past and it has been helpful more so as a mindful practice as a self-care practice like we, we we've spoken about that and it's and he emphasized you know this is not to you know, manage your time to, for productivity and, you know, often your juices as a self-care, you know, mindfulness practice, because we, you know, it's proven to make you feel less anxious. Right. 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 And so I was like, oh yeah, that's interesting. Cause I feel like a lot of times we just think about that from a productivity factor. Yeah. It's like the capitalism of it all, which I feel like comes up a lot mm-hmm. on this show, which is like, especially in March, like my brain just like shut down. Like it was so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I was in a new city. And then all of a sudden there, there was this like stirring inside of me that was like, I was, I was both terrified and then also racked with guilt that I was like I have all Mm. this free time now now I'm in my house I should be writing a book and it's like why does my mind (laughs) automatically go to this place it's like you're experiencing trauma time for you to go write a book like it's like like yeah we just need to be able to like I I I get it I feel like if I'm not working I should be working and that's a really hard Mm -hmm. thing to Mm -hmm. turn off did you read that thing in the Mm -hmm. New York Times the other day about the Pomodoro method no. I have to send this to you. I don't really totally get it, but everyone keeps talking about it. So uh, there's those. Was oh, um, the time thing? Yeah. Like little chunks of time. Yeah. yeah. Heard it, read about that. <laughs> um, my, and my boyfriend actually has like those dice things uh-huh. where they have the numbers on each side. And if you want like to set like little time periods. So I think he got it for writing. Yeah. So like flip it on the side that has five. I think it's like a timer for five minutes so you just write for five minutes and listen i you know i'm i hope that 
works for some people <laughs> doesn't it's it's harder for me to adhere to it but yeah. i feel like like you're saying it's like it's difficult but that's because there are these are habits we've created we're trying to unlearn all these things that right. have been like beaten to us for mentally beaten into us for like years yeah i want to try it just to see what happens but i also know that like I don't know. Sometimes I won't do anything for a week. And then sometimes I'll work for like 48 hours straight. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> just me. I'm such a kooky person. But like my therapist, too, is like, huh, like, have you ever considered that's not the best way to like manage your time or your health? And then I'm like, so, you know, mm. our therapist really getting their money's worth. Like, oh, <laughs> I love my therapist. He is dope. He is so great. Shout out to him. So Patrice, tell me what you brought to the show. Okay. <laughs> so uh it was very hard for me to pick something <laughs> um okay so I decided on uh, okay I decided on Detroit Hives honey <gasps> nice <laughs> it's 100% raw honey made it says it's a net worth of or I don't know what is net net weight net weight <laughs> net weight <laughs> eight ounces of pure grit from the wild seeds of or the wild weeds of the D. So it's a black owned um honey company. Nice. Detroit Hives Inc. is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to transform vacant lots into urban bee farms for the education and conservation of honeybees. Wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's so and it cool. Very good. Are you a honey <laughs> you're so you're a honey person? I'm like a tea. Uh-huh. I'm a ginger tea person, okay. and it's, you know, especially at the start of this pandemic, mm-hmm. I was like, it can't hurt to to you know make some more, um, you know, ginger tea, <laughs> you know, to help with the immune system and all that. Because I'm Jamaican, and you know, ginger tea is just like a big part of our culture. Just all kinds of teas, uh-huh. like ginger, garlic, throwing everything in there. But um, yeah, I was making some ginger lemon tea a lot. I still am. And I grate, I have like fresh ginger and I like grate it and then I like slice up the lemon. And nice. I like, I've been adding turmeric nowadays and I've just been um, boiling that up. So then I like to have honey with that. Turmeric, that's very LA of you, Patrice. You're. Oh, you're- is it LA or is it, you know, Indian? Well, right. Okay. <laughs> we, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. Uh, I mean, right. Another conversation for another day. I feel like talking about turmeric a lot yes. is an LA thing. <laughs> yeah. The fact that there was just some turmeric sitting up in the in the little basket in Whole Foods right. does say something. Yeah. It's very, it's very uh, highly treasured out in in the west of Los Angeles. Um, yeah. So you so instead of sugar, you'll do honey. Oh yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I so so did you know about this company like before everyone was touting black owned businesses? No, um, I hadn't because I'm always I always try to, you know, buy black owned. Mm -hmm. But even especially during the pandemic, during the coronavirus, when it was just the coronavirus as the pandemic that was, you know, making headlines before the uprisings and the protests um, and the death of all of, you know, my black brothers and sisters by the by hands of police and white vigilantes. Um, before mm-hmm. all that, black businesses, you know, it was reported that black businesses didn't receive 
substantial amount of these um the loans PPP that were loans. going out, yeah, like the PPP loans or the grants, they weren't getting any, and it was project, you know, it was projected that forty percent of black-owned businesses would have to shut down. Um, and so wow. that's when I was like, oh shit, now it's time to go extra hard. And it's interesting because I've always been an advocate of buying black, especially when I started working um, at BuzzFeed and. You know, I was working under my former editor, Essence Gant, who was also very, like, pro-buying Black. Yeah. Um, we would just have conversations, and, you know, it became way more intentional of me to support these Black-owned businesses because I saw how lucrative it was when a business was, like, spotlighted in media. And I yeah. know, knew that traditionally only, like, Black publications were really spot putting on these Black-owned businesses like Essence Magazine and Ebony. But a lot of those mag, a lot of the magazines, you know, have shuttered and been folded, the Black magazines, because that's what happens, you know, the first of every sort of downfall. And that includes, you know, or decline, I should say, you know, the decline of, you know, media. Yep. Black publications are the first to be fold and be shuttered. But... So I was like, okay, now with this pandemic, now I really got to go hard. I, I was everything, girl. I was like, okay, dry brush scrub. I was like, okay, where can I find a black <laughs> dry brush? And yeah. which I found like usable little makeup pads. I was like, all right, I got to find a black. So that included honey. I was like, we need to find some black on honey because our Manuka honey had just run out. Uh-huh. Yeah. Me and Tenjin, my boyfriend, we was like, okay, let's let's find this black owned honey, and then we wanted to be raw, right? And mm-hmm. we all, and, and so that's how we came across Detroit Hives. And my partner's actually from, was raised in Michigan, so that was cool too. And Detroit has just been, you know, being pummeled by the coronavirus in yeah. terms of the cases and rates. The black community in in yes. Detroit, and so, you know, I was like, heck yeah, we gotta support and. <sighs> Real quick, because I was going to mention this, then I got on a tangent. Um, I've been thinking more so nowadays, of, okay, how sort of this the, what it, this whole discussion around buying black, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's, I want to be careful not to push the narrative that buying black is a direct way to get equity for black people yes. and, and for black business owners and, and sort of to level this playing field um, that systemic racism has, uh, has, has skewed because it's, it's going to take more than people just buying from individual individuals, buying from black owned businesses. It's going to take like large scale systematic change. Right. Yes. So, and also it is, it's a question of is capitalism like going to save us, right? Can we use capitalism to sort of, dismantle uh, a system that is upheld by it Mm -hmm. and so but at the same time i know directly buying black helps these business owners and so i think both of these things can be true but i'm i'm more careful now of of how i position this you know idea of or campaign of buying black yeah i don't think it's going to solve the major main issues but I do think it directly puts money into the pockets of people who might need it to actually care for, like support themselves and put a roof over them and their family's head and eat and, and right. get like today pay for health insurance and all that. Right. And yeah. pay for provide work for other black employer employees rather. Did you ever see that episode of the um, kill a Mike show about buying black? 
<laughs> no, oh my gosh, I have not watched that just because I feel like it's gonna make me upset. It, it, it made me upset, so it probably would but, make you upset. Ooh, oh, okay, I'll watch. You think I should watch? I think you should. It's really interesting. I wish that they had been able to do more with it but it, it basically was like for a week I watched it like maybe a year and a half ago two years ago so I don't remember all the details but I should revisit it it's like for a week he just wanted to like buy buy black and it meant like you know from the and he didn't live at home so he's like with the hotels he wanted to stay I had to be black on and the answer essentially was that he couldn't do it um yep. and there was like all of these statistics and numbers about you know like for every dollar that goes back into the economy, like here's how, like when, when you put a dollar into the, into the black people's hands into the black community, into black owned businesses, here's how long and how far that dollar is going to stretch. Like here's how many people it's going to touch. Um, and I think that the, yeah, the moral of the story was that like, it is very difficult to, um, to keep your money in the black economy. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think maybe then, this whole idea of like black, buying black, what is it? Maybe that's like, hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't know. It just needs to be. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's interesting now in the context of everything that's happening, because yeah. like these aren't new conversations, nope. but now with this current climate, these discussions take on sort of like a new shape, and I think that requires some interrogation of what is at stake when certain ideas or concepts are being pushed now and right and who's benefiting from it and you know are, are some people gaining like allyship cookies or whatever mm. <laughs> yeah no for sure we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back hold up what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. What did you think of the black square, the black squares on Instagram? Um, that was confusing just because I, <laughs> I remember seeing the post by those two black women in the music industry who right. had said they were going to, I, I, that's the first I had heard of it in terms of the show must be paused. Mm -hmm. I, someone post about the show must be paused and, and the hashtag and they tagged the account and I went to the account and I was like, oh, okay, so this is like for the music industry, like, cool. But then, like, later that night, I think my boyfriend had been like, so did you hear about this, like, the blackout? People are going to be posting black squares. And I was like, wait, huh? Is this not related to the show? It must be paused. And then I saw on Twitter, a bunch of random people were talking about blackout Tuesday, but they weren't linking to the show must be paused. So there was just a lot of confusion and co and people co-opting it. Mm -hmm. And that was um, unfortunate. But I think it was a good example of, like sort of needing to really think of to 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 take into consideration things that might happen when you're planning like a mass demonstration mm -hmm. yeah there's there it was it was very centering um not on it, it centered the the white people that it was 
It was a it, yeah. That feels like a year ago, and that was, it was what like in Corona time. That was a year ago. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we was complaining about all the TikTok dances. Little do we know. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, this all it was bound to happen. Like, I was not surprised by any of this. I was mm-hmm. more so frustrated with the a lot of white people feeling like, oh my gosh. I don't I don't even know how to describe it. It was just a lot of reactions. <laughs> Known all of this. We saw the reports about the black maternal mortality rates yeah. and all of that. Like, come on. It's literally the shame. It's but the shame. Point a time in history when white people who have been the majority in a society and and the recipients of you know the benefits of that privilege of yes. white privilege when have they willingly given up <laughs> or equalize you know right. what i mean like provided like equity never Adeline's playing field. it's had to come from like re- like rebellions and revolutions yes and a bunch of black people and brown people dying yes so this, that's listen i'm just saying you're right you're 100 right <laughs> and it's a, and it's a really important thing to listen to um because this is not new. None of this is new. It's literally <laughs> as old as this country. Like that's how America started. Was we like we literally committed genocide. Um and then we brought yeah, we brought over smallpox. We killed an indigenous population and then this entire country was built on the on the back of enslaved people Mm -hmm. so right like the bon appetit people being racist is not like a new like it didn't come out of nowhere and it's crazy to me that the amy coopers too those are the more those are the more sort of i think examples of right beneath not even beneath the surface just on the face of it this racism and the microaggressions and the the ways in which racism as it's been considered i think by a lot of white people to be this thing of evilness yes like it's actually shown in these instances with like amy cooper the woman who called the white woman who called falsely called like made a false 911 call on christian cooper no relation who was a black man who was just birding minding his own business yep (laughs) wanting her to put her leash on her dog yeah but um yeah it's like no these are the kinds of way more insidious instances of racism we need to talk about yeah the amy cooper thing was so um it's so haunting and i'm so happy that it was captured on video because it's such a different you are watching someone who knows that they are not in danger, but mm-hmm. they are pissed that they're not getting their way or that someone isn't like yielding to them. Mm-hmm. And they know exactly how to weaponize that. Mm-hmm. And you watch that in real time and it is fucking chilling mm-hmm. to be like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to call the cops. And like, that is fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like there's like how, how so many black people have died because of that exact yes because someone you know? someone's calling nine one one and I think about the Elijah McLean story 
you know, he's mm-hmm. w- walking down the street wearing a mask because he's fucking anemic and he's dancing. And who's mm-hmm. call who's calling 911 from inside their house? What are you afraid of? Like no threat was imposed. And it is that it's that entitlement. Um mm-hmm. walking around like this world belongs to you and it's yours and mm-hmm. anything that makes you feel uncomfortable for whatever reason is worth calling 911 for and you know what happens when you call 911 like that is so gross um and just seeing it and knowing that this is how you know so many of these cases are sparked by these 911 calls but but like seeing Amy Cooper do it on video is mm-hmm. like so is the is more haunting to me than i think it's just so damning. It's just gross. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, that's just just it's just another version of like Emmett Till mm-hmm. and Tamir Rice and all that. Everybody. And we were talking about honey and now we're talking about this. It all comes back <laughs> to systemic racism. It does. It really does. And I Here think it's is. super important. Um and also Detroit, I'm thinking about Detroit and just and like that, that this honey company is a, is a nonprofit Detroit, mm-hmm. especially being ravaged by by the coronavirus pandemic um, also just has, has and even as like the city also is going through like major gentrification yep. in the last, you know, five to 10 years. I remember there was like this advertising marketing thing for Detroit that was like move it was like move wet I don't know what it was but it was like Brooklyners after Mm. after you're done gentrifying like Crown Heights go to Detroit and gentrify Mm. that and it was like so gross um happened in New Orleans too right after Katrina yeah it's all tied together which is to say go buy some honey yes oh let me give a little (laughs) bit more info yeah let's hear it Okay, <laughs> I'm on their website. It says, the idea for Detroit Hives was sparked in the winter of 2016 when Timothy Paul discovered that local raw honey was able to cure a cold that no other remedy had. After learning about the med- medicinal properties of honey and seeing how it was able to provide his immune system the boost it needed, he and partner Nicole Lindsay became fascinated with bees. And so, says the couple learned as much as they could, enrolled in local beekeeping classes over the next few months. Wow. And then they're both Detroit, um, proud Detroit natives. So they saw that the abandoned lots in the city could actually serve a greater purpose. And they combined their new knowledge with the need in the community. And they bought their first lot in 2017, started their first urban bee farm, and Detroit Hives was born. That's Isn't so that cool. cool. Yes. You know, we got to... Black people are, you know, as a, our history is, you know, we have to create the change we want to see. That is you know? incredible. It's also such a new business. Mm-hmm. I also want them in charge of the vaccine because if they're discovering <laughs> that like honey's carrying a cold, I want to know what else they have. Right. Like, <laughs> like, please, <laughs> like, we need you. Um, that's awesome. I'm going to order. Actually, I was just looking because I was looking at over above my computer when we're talking on the phone I can see the honey jar that is halfway mm-hmm. through so now maybe it's time for me to order some do you know how much you paid for um I was just about to say that yeah okay so it's 80 ounces I mean it, it, depending on how much honey you use it stretches pretty far okay um but it's 20 dollars for eight ounces nice um they also have 20 dollar beeswax candles and 10 dollar um very cute little face mask with Into honey it. bees them and like the honey crisps 
design, uh, honeycomb design. But so I would say like $20 definitely is that's that's not a small amount of money, mm-hmm. you know, especially during these times. Um, and I've spoken when I've spoken about, you know, black owned businesses before I've spoken about how, unfortunately, you know, sometimes the 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 prices do have to be higher because they are independent sellers mm-hmm. and they don't have the resources to to sell at a scale that would allow them to have like a a lower uh price right right but um i do think you know this is a matter of like okay if you can't afford 20 dollar honey where are you going to get it from are you going to get it from whole foods mm-hmm. or are you gonna and, and you know whole foods does they also do sell independent or not independent they do also sell you know products from you know sustainable and um impactful companies mm-hmm. that's not to take away from the companies that are selling at whole foods because there's there's a good number of black owned businesses selling stuff at but at whole foods and maybe detroit hive does i don't know but what i do know is if you have twenty dollars to spare i think it's worth like going out of your way to find black owned businesses especially ones like detroit hives that are literally like putting back the money back into the community right in a way that's not only paying people but they're also they're they're also helping the environment right yep and they're helping the actual just the the landscape of detroit so I definitely, th- and it, like I said, it tastes amazing and it has a very cute sticker. So <laughs> what more could we want? Like truly, I'm going to order some because we're almost out of honey. I love anything that's a face mask and I love candles. <laughs> so I'm already like totally all in. Um, we will link to the Detroit Hives um, website and also just their order page. Um, can you hold up the jar again? I just want to see the sticker. Mm-hmm. It's so cute. <laughs> it's really cute. Um, right? That is awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. I think like something that we we do discuss a lot is just like that there are th- lots of things worth investing in. And mm-hmm. I think knowing where you're getting like a specific kitchen item um, yeah. or any item really is is worth that money. Like after, you know, after watching that episode about how hard it is to keep money circulating in the black economy, like this is an easy way to put $20 into doing just that. Um, and I think we can all probably afford that. If you, if you're buying honey anyway, you know, consider buying, uh, right. If you're buying raw honey, which is, you know, has so many benefits, raw honey is expensive period. Yeah. You know, so, So which is unfortunate, but again, that's a whole nother story, but Patrice, we could go on forever. Um, I'm so happy that that you came and that you introduced Detroit Hives to the world. Um, I oh, Dan, just my husband just walked in. and He's holding up the honey jar, and I'm like, yeah, no, we're talking about honey. Um, we'll order it. Um, yeah. uh, and I'm happy to have you in LA. Uh, tell everybody where they can follow you, where they can read your writing, and where they can subscribe to your newsletter. Um, they can subscribe to my newsletter at coronavirusnewsforblackfolks.com. Um, and they can find out more information about me at patricepeck.com and um, also on social media at Speak Patrice. Yes. Patrice, thank you so much for coming, for sharing with us. And I do hope you get your sabbatical <laughs> sooner rather than later. 
Um, yeah. And hopefully we'll be able to hang in LA when that's safe again. Oh, definitely. I'll just <laughs> drive by and we can, we can just <laughs> <play>. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, amazing. Amazing.